And uh, today is their very first service with us. So if you're a seventh grader, this is your first service. Why don't you go ahead and stand up? We want to give you a, a round of applause. Great to have you here. So if anybody wants to know, hey, you know, how should I be? How should I act? How should I dress? How should I interact with service? Just look up here to the front to the seventh graders. And I think you're going to get a pretty good clue uh, of, of what needs to happen. Amen. Uh, we also do have somebody here uh, from uh, the Hong Kong church who's visiting with us. I believe his name is Jonathan. I don't know if you could uh, go ahead and stand up. It's great to have you here, Jonathan. Uh, welcome. It's, uh, thank you for joining us. Amen. Uh, James chapter 4 and verse 13. James 4 and verse 13. This is uh, really one of the classic passages in the Bible. Of course, if you've read the book of James, uh, we know that James uh, is known for his blunt writing style. Uh, he uh, writes in a way that is actually uh, compared to the Proverbs, where he just says a lot of very uh, uh, short and cutting and truthful remarks throughout the book of, uh, of James uh, that we can learn from in a great way. And this passage right here is really one of those classic passages that talk about our lives, that, that explain what life is all about. You know, a lot of people want to ask, hey, you know, what is life all about? What you know, what am I here for? This is one of those passages that, you know, uh, helps to explain all that in James chapter 4 and verse 13. We could all read that together. If you have your Bible, you could turn with me. Or if you have a, uh, your uh, iPad or iPhone, you could do so as well. You could look up at the screen. This is James talking. It says, now listen, you say, so there's a group of people that he's addressing. It says, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city. Spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, all such boasting is evil. I mean, talk about just direct and to the point, right? There's all you who say, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go to this city or that city or I'm going to move here or move there. I'm going to make this money. He says, you know, you got to really consider your life and think about your life because what is it? It's like a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. But he said, instead, you ought to say, hey, if it is the Lord's will, if, if this is what God wants from me, if if this isn't God's plan and God's design for my life, then I'm going to do this. In other words, why don't you choose to live according to God's will? And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. We're going to be talking about discerning God's will. And there's this old Scottish tale of uh, this old Scottish widow who was actually in a road kind of like this. And, he was in the middle, and she was in the middle and she was tossing a stick up in the air. And uh, someone else came by and saw her just, you know, tossing a stick up in the air and seeing it fall and then grabbing it again, tossing it up in the air and seeing it fall, grabbing it again and tossing it up in the air and seeing it fall. And, and finally, the person asked him, hey, you know, asked her, well, what are you doing? Well, why do you keep throwing the stick up in the air? And she says, well, I'm trying to discern God's will. Uh, if the stick points to the right, then I go to the right. If the stick points to the left. Uh, then, then I go to the left, and so that's how I'm trying to discern God's will. And so the guy asked, well, that's interesting. Why do you keep throwing the stick up? 
And she says, well, because the stick, keep, the stick keeps pointing right, but I want to go left. You know, a lot of us in our lives are, are that way. I think if we would talk, think about it and talk about it this morning, say, you know, who wants to know what God's will is for their life is? Or who wants to know what God's will is for a certain situation? Perhaps you're at this moment in a certain financial situation or, or school educational situation. Or we have the campus ministry here with us today, you know. Or uh, you're in a situation uh, uh, maybe uh, thinking about moving or you're dealing with a situation with your kids, your children, and, and you're wondering, what is God's will? How do I do this? What do I do? Maybe in your work. Your workplace, you're offered a different job and you're wondering, hey, should I go? Should I not? Should I take it? Should I not take it? Or maybe you're faced with a dilemma in your life, something difficult that you've got to deal with, a tough decision, a difficult decision. And, you know, a lot of us think, well, almost all the decisions are difficult. And they are. A lot of times you have to choose between what's better and, you know, than the other. And sometimes they're pretty close and you have to decide, hey, you know, which one is it? And so maybe you're in that, that point where you're trying to figure out, you know, what is God's will? We all want to figure that out, really, either for all of our lives or for a certain situation. But a lot of times the problem is that we want God's will to be our will or we want God to think how we think. And so sometimes when our will doesn't align with God's will, we're, we're trying to like feverishly change God's mind. He got please. You know, it reminds me of, of the time when, uh, before I got married and I was single, and uh, I would, you know, uh, go out on dates to encourage the sisters. And there were times when I, there was a time when I was really looking for that one person, right? The person you want to marry. And I remember going on a date and coming back from the date and saying to the brothers, This is the one. This is it. This is the one. I, I know. This, this one. I think this is the one. And then later on during the week, nah, that wasn't the one. And then another week would pass by, you know, this is the one. I think this is the one. And, and then the week would pass by like, no, 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 that's not the one. And later on, my roommate started making fun of me and said, hey, uh, you know, after I got back from the date, hey, was that one the one? Was that, was that the one right there? Uh, thank God I did find the one. Amen. But, you know, a lot of times we even try to kind of maneuver that and say, you know, God, but, but it is the one. And God said, no, it's not the one. Are you sure, God? Take another look. I mean, I think, no, it's very obvious. It's not the one. Good God, you know, I, you know maybe if, if we clean it up a little bit, you know, fix it a little bit, maybe, you know, move her here instead of there, what do you think? No, nah, it's not the one. And so today we're going to be talking about discerning God's will. Let's look over to the book of Matthew chapter 22, because when we talk about God's will, it's important that we talk about our will, because that's really what, what we're trying to reach out for here. We're trying to make sure that our will matches up to God's will. And one of the great passages in the Bible, if you look at, at, at Jesus and his uh, uh, direction to our lives, it really boils down to two passages. This one in Matthew chapter 22 and the one in Matthew 28. Matthew 28, of course, is the Great Commission. Or our mission, our lives, to go out and reach out and evangelize the world. Uh, in Matthew 22, we have what's known as the Great Commandment. You know, what is it? What is the way that we should be living our lives according to God's will? And so in Matthew 22, 36 to 40, the Bible says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And this is Jesus' reply. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these 
two commandments. The Bible calls us to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts. You know, the heart is defined as the center of a person's will or the center of a person's passions. And so really when we talk about discerning God's will for our lives, we're talking about making sure that our heart is aligned with God's heart or that our will is aligned with God's will. And that's really a big question for all of our lives at whatever moment we find ourselves. It's to ask ourselves, hey, right now, is my will aligned to God's will? Is my heart aligned to God's heart? And you say, well, why is that important? Well, that's important because if you're a person that is desiring to follow God, you're a person that wants to know God and wants to live according to God's ways, then there's no other way to make sure that you're living life to the full and being happy in your spirituality unless you you and God's heart are in the same place, are going in the same direction. And so how is it that we determine God's will? And so we're going to look at this morning a couple things. One is, very briefly, I'm going to mention what are some ways that we can determine God's will. But then we're going to look at passages in the Bible where uh, God specifically says, this is my will. So we don't have to have confusion about that. And we can say, okay, well, this is God's will, then there's no, there's no you know, argument. I think we can do that. Amen? Okay, let's look, at, let's look over and, and look at some of the ways that we discern God's will. Well, one of those is through prayer. Prayer is a way that you can discern God's will. You know, one of those is, of course, answered prayer. Now, here's a secret about answered prayer. To have answered prayer in your life, you actually have to pray. I know it's a deep, I mean, it's really deep. And we're, you know, we're trying to get really deep right there. But a lot of times, you know, we struggle and we fight and wonder, hey, why is this not happening in my life? Or why, why is that not happening in, in, in my life? And, and like the Bible says in the book of James as well, it says you, you have because you don't ask. Or you lack because you don't ask. And so one of the ways that we can discern God's will is by praying and asking God, hey, God, is this your will? Is this what you want for my life? Guide me, send people to my life. To, to direct me and make it clear, make it obvious. Have you ever made that prayer, God, make it obvious? Does God eventually make it obvious? He does. Now, at the moment, sometimes it's not very clear. But later on, you're like, wow, that was obvious. I'm glad that I followed God's will on that. But one of the ways we do that is by prayer. Another way is through the scriptures. And we're going to look at some of those today. But, you know, we have... The Bible or basic, basic instructions of God before leaving earth. We have our manual for our lives right there in front of us. And so in that we can find and discern what God's will is. Amen. And lastly, and you might not uh, have thought about this one. A way we can discern God's uh, will is by a transformed life. Now look what it says here in the book of, uh, of Romans chapter 12 verse 2. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. There is a pattern, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, you guys see that? Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The Bible says that in order for us sometimes to determine and discern what God's will is, we got to be living a certain way. You can't be living a way apart from God or a way apart from God's laws or God's desire and, and want God to direct your life. 
You're not going to get it. Have you ever talked to somebody that just doesn't get it? I mean, just doesn't get it. And it's super, super clear. I remember when I first became a Christian at, in college, and uh, my roommates, I lived with my roommates uh, who were not Christians for about seven months of the, of the time that I was a young Christian. And I remember reading a scripture in the Bible, and they, you know, they, I, they started seeing me read my Bible and leaving to meetings and praying. They started calling me Moses, by the way, uh, after some time. They were not very open. And uh, so I was reading my Bible, and I read a, a, a parable, I mean, just super clear parable. And uh, I had remember reading the scripture that says, you know, they'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. They'll be hearing but never understanding. And, you know, some people get it. Some people don't get it. Like, let, let, let me test this out. So I called my roommate Greg over, and I'm talking. I, I read a uh, – I asked him to read a very basic, just basic parable, brief, to read it. And he read it. And I asked him, what do you think it means? And he had no idea. I mean, this is a very smart college student, super intelligent guy. And he, he just kind of fumbled trying to figure out what it meant. And, you know, I do feel that if we are apart, living apart from God, people can tell you the right thing. People can tell you the scriptures. People can tell you hey, this is what you need to do, can explain the way to you, can, can very clearly tell you from the scriptures, hey, listen, this is what you need to do, and we just will not get it. We, it it'll go over our heads. It'll be like, well, what happened? I don't know. You know why? Because we're not living according to God. We don't have a transformed life. And because of that, we're going to have a hard time figuring out God's will. If you want to figure out God's will in your life and you're not transformed, you're not living a life transformed, you're going to have a difficult time. You're going to struggle. You're going to struggle. Maybe you feel like that. Man, I feel like I'm struggling. Like I'm just trying to live a life, but I'm struggling. Maybe it's because you haven't transformed your life or, or you're going back to your old life. And you're having a hard time discerning what God wants for your life. Amen? Now, here's something for us to think about. There is hope still if we choose to seek God's will. Now, this morning, I want us to all to understand that irregardless of where you are at this moment, maybe at this moment you're reaping the benefits of living a life according to God's will. And you're saying, amen, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I've been living according to God's will. And and yeah, everything's not perfect. Life's not perfect. Life is tough. But I see the benefits. I see that things are going great. And amen, that's awesome. But maybe you're in a moment, you're at a point where you say, wow, you know, I'm just suffering the consequences. I'm suffering the consequences of, of not living according to God's will. I'm suffering the consequences of not following God's ways in my life. And, and so therefore, I just keep struggling and keep battling. What I'm telling you this morning is that there's hope still. If you choose to seek God's will. If this morning you make a decision, you make a clear decision, you say, you know what? I know that I've not done it in the past. I know I've been, you know, stubborn or I, I, I've rebelled. Hey, you know, I'm going to decide. I'm going to do it. I'm going to decide to seek God's will in my life. If you decide to do that today, there's hope for you. Amen? There's hope for things to be different. So this one, we're just going to go and we're going to look at some scriptures in the Bible where God clearly tells us what his will is. Amen? Sometimes people say, well, God willing. You know, if it's God's will. Well, what I can tell you, there's some scriptures where God clearly says, hey, guys, this is my will. Do it. And I think if we do that, we'll be well along the way of where we need to be to make sure we're living a life according 
to God's will and discerning God's will. Amen? The first one is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16 through 18. I didn't switch it around this morning. I didn't get this morning and figure out what's going on this morning and tell Willie, hey, can you put this slide first and this slide second and this slide third? This is really the first scripture that we found. And talk about it being appropriate this morning. Amen? 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. So the first scripture where it says, hey, this is my will for your life. And this is God. Amen? This is not from Raphael. This is not from Marty. This is not from Sandra or Martine or Koki or anybody. This is from God. Amen? All right, here we go. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice. When? Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So, I mean, God says, you want to know what my will is? This is my will. My will is that you rejoice always. My will is that you pray. Just keep on praying. When do I stop? Just don't stop. Just pray. Keep praying. And give thanks in all circumstances. You know, all is all-encompassing. It means good circumstances, great circumstances, not-so-good circumstances, negative circumstances, bad circumstances, horrible circumstances. That's all under the umbrella of all. And the Bible says that that is God's will. You might think, gosh, it's really hot this morning. That's, that's a tough circumstance. But you know what? I am joyful and I am thankful. Amen. You know, I can live in a place where it's always like this. You know, the brothers from El Salvador are like, what? It's not hot. But, you know, this applies so much for our life. And, and this is a good question. Is what is your perspective of your life? How do you view your life this morning? How do, you, how do you view your circumstances? Your, do, you, do you view your circumstances like, man, I am just the unluckiest person in the world. I'm just, you know, the person that can't do right, the person that everybody, get, you know, goes wrong for, everything goes wrong for. I've been mistreated. I've been, I've been, you know, I've been pushed aside. I have been, you know, everything's gone against me. You can live your life that way with a giant chip on your, on your, on your uh, shoulder. You know, tortilla chip. Or you can look at life differently. What the Bible calls us to is to rejoice always and to be thankful in our circumstances. That is a choice. It's not circumstantial. And this is the power in it. What God is saying, hey, listen, your, your joy level, your, your gratitude level is not circumstantial. It's not according to your situation. A lot of, you know, if I had that situation, man, I'd be fired up. If that was me, you know, yeah, of course, I'd be doing great. Really? Maybe it's about our perspective, and that's what God tells us. That's what God's will is for us in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right, that's pretty clear. Let's go to another one. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 3. Another clear one right here. First Thessalonians 4 and verse 3 to 8. You know, the Bible did talk about being transformed and not live according to the pattern of this world. I don't know if you've noticed, but the patterns of this world are not very godly. Have you guys noticed that? It's not very spiritual. It's not very Bible-based. And so th- this is one pattern that uh, Paul talks about earlier on in the book. It says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 6, 
says, it is God's will. So it starts off right from the very beginning, right? It is God's will that you should be sanctified, be, be different, be set apart from the world, that you should avoid sexual morality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure. That's a good thing, right? Was, was anybody confused with that one right there? I don't think so. But, you know, Paul is trying to make an emphasis of it. But to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction, you, you know, if someone's saying, oh, I don't agree with that. That's wrong. He says, if you reject his instruction, he does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. You know, this is God's will that we should be sanctified, that we should avoid sexual morality. We should be different. And we live in a world that is so immoral. Immorality is all around us. You know, pornography is everywhere. And easily accessible. And those of us who are parents are living, you know, in fear, making sure that when we give our son or daughter an electronic device, we're not opening the world to them of impurity and and lust and pornography and sex. Which is what happens. And it's all around us. And we have to make a choice that, hey, you know, we're going to be different. We're going to be sanctified. God called me to be pure. You know, what, what's God's will for your life? To be pure. You're saying, you know what? Ah, I've struggled with that. It's been a struggle. We live in a world where it's going to be a struggle. But it's not circumstantial. It's a decision where you decide, you know what? I am not going to live that way. I'm not going to walk that way. I am not cho- I'm choosing not to go in that direction. Because I trust God and I trust His will. And I know that if I do that, I'm going to reap the benefits of living according to God's will. How many people have ruined their lives, ruined their marriages, lost their salvation because of sin? And yeah, for a fleeting moment of passion, a fleeting moment of uh, pleasure... The rest of their life is marred and affected. And yeah, can a person be redeemed? Absolutely. God gives us all hope. But, you know, Paul says, hey, guys, let's learn this. Let's get this clear. This is God's will for our lives. Amen? Let's look at the next one. 1 Peter chapter 2. And it's very interesting that Peter writes this. Uh, you know, if we know anything about Peter, what kind of guy was Peter? What can you tell me? What kind of guy was Peter? He was impulsive. Okay, we know him as being very impulsive. What, what kind of guy was Peter? He's kind of stubborn a little bit in the beginning, kind of his character. All right, what else? Curious? Maybe insecure a little bit. Okay, what else? Passionate? Was he pretty bold? He's a kind of speak first thing later, kind of zeal without knowledge kind of guy. Yeah, that's a good one. Now, let me ask you this. 
Would all of us know Peter as someone who was just incredibly obedient to the governing authorities? But look what Peter writes. 1 Peter 2, 13 and 15. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to command those who do right. For it is God's will. There it is. That by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. You know, that's God's will, that you submit to yourself to governing authorities. And, of course, we understand that when Peter's writing this, it was probably the moment when uh, government in the world was at its, at its peak, at its highest. The Roman Empire government was incredibly fair, incredibly honest, incredibly righteous, uh, and everything they did was for the betterment of all mankind. Uh, that, we all know that about the Roman Empire, right? And all the Roman emperors were, were godly people. They were, they were super great. They all did the right thing at the right time. They served everybody. They didn't serve themselves. They were incredible emperors. So it must have been easy for Peter to say, oh, yeah, obey and submit to the emperor. Wrong. We're talking about probably one of the most corrupt, most uh, brutal, suppressive, oppressive governments in all of history. But Peter says, you know what? In order for us to be a light in this dark world, we need to be a people that obey God's will by submitting to those above us, by being respectful, by honoring those above us. And yeah, are we free? Absolutely. Live as free people. But not as a cover-up for evil. Being free is not an excuse for us to be people that do not live according to God's will. And so being obedient, being respectful, being honorable in your job, in, in, uh, in your company, being honest, and, and with the government. You know, we always get rules, don't we? Like recently we got a rule about how much you should water and not water. And we're like, huh? You know, and, and then you walk around and you're like, well, that person's watering, that person's watering, that person's watering. Why should I not water? And that person's watering, I mean... Uh, uh, recently, we walked by uh, some public official's house, and they were watering on the wrong day. And we're like, hey, what's up with that? You know, but it's really not about what anybody else does. It's about what we do, and we don't do it for those people. We do it for God. You know, some of us can, you know, have a different perspective politically. You know, maybe I have this perspective, that perspective, this perspective. All my friends have different perspectives. But we can get to the point where we can become critical. And we can criticize, you know, this, you know, party or that party or this perspective or this person or that person or here and there. And they, and they are in position of government. That's not godly. You know, God doesn't want him there. Really? You have a direct line to God. I tell you what God does want. Very clear. It's God's will. That you silence foolish people by submitting ourselves to every authority and honoring those that God has put above us. Amen? All right, let's look at 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians you guys still with me right here? So if you, I mean, if you put these in your life, if you start, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put these in, then you're, you're on your way 
to living a life according to God's will. And I think that's what we all would want and what we all desire. Amen. Second Corinthians 8 and verse 1 through 7. This is a great scripture. It says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of very severe trial, you know, you know Paul's awesome. He's like, let me tell you how awesome it's been for these churches in Macedonia. They've gone through very difficult stuff. But in, in the midst of that, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. But since you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in the love we have uh, kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. You know, Paul is describing the heart of the Macedonian churches and their response to giving and to giving to the church and sacrificing in their offerings. And he says, you know what, they, they really fulfilled God's will in this by going above and beyond and giving and sacrificing. Let me tell you a secret. You know what God's will is for your finances? That you be generous. And you be sacrificial. That's God's will. If you are not being generous and you're not being sacrificial with what God has given you, you're not living according to God's will. You know, and I love God's sense of humor. It seems like he puts people together that are completely opposite on the spectrum on these things. It's amazing. You know, it's, 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 it's incredible. We've gone with some couples and we talked about, you know, the finances. And, uh, the, you know, the husband may be like, we should be generous. We need to give, and, you know, we need to give more. And the wife is like, no, you need to be responsible. You shouldn't be giving, you know, everything. You know, that's too much, and, and this and that. And, and you know, it, it, I think God puts us in that way to see, okay, what kind of household are you guys going to choose to be in? A generous one or a stingy one? A sacrificial one or a selfish one? And it's always funny when that battle is going on. But, you know, the, the, the couples that do the best, you know, the couples that I believe are, are, are choosing the way of God's will are those that default to the most generous one. And let me ask you, if in your marriage, do you default to the most generous person in your, in your marriage? Maybe you got married and you say, hey, well, I always had a conviction about giving to God and, and contributing. But I married and the person I married, you know, he's not very open to giving. He really doesn't want to give. Well, let me tell you something. You're yoked together now. And you've got to decide what kind of life you're going to live now together. You can say, well, I just want, don't want to get in a fight, you know, and, you know, and, and, you know. So we'll just keep our finances separate. Oh, that's awesome. You're going to get married, but you're going to, you know, be separate married. I don't know. And I'm not saying you can't do that. You can't do that, but still be united. But you don't do that so you, will, so you won't be united. But you got to decide, you know what, I'm going to we're going to default for the most generous person and test God and see how that goes for you. And I guarantee you, God never disappoints us when we choose his will. Amen.
And we're going to last thing is 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. This is probably the clearest one of them all. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. It says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants, this is what God wants. He wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. And a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. You know, God, Paul is saying, hey, this is what I am now. Why? Because God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. You know, what does God want? He wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's what he wants. That's what he desires. And if you and I are going to align our hearts to God's will, we've got to align our hearts to this. Say, if this is what God wants, that's what he desires, and that's what i got to want, that's what i got to desire. You know, uh, I heard a story a while back from Russia of uh, these brothers that were out at midnight sharing their faith. And they were out sharing their faith, these three brothers at midnight, and uh, they uh, went with a taxi driver, and then they asked to pray with the taxi driver, and uh, they, they all prayed, and then they asked the taxi driver to pray. And so the taxi driver was kind of freaked out, and, and then he prayed, and then he kind of dropped them off. Well, after that, the taxi driver picked up this, this wealthy gentleman and, uh, who was obviously distraught. And he picked him up, and uh, he started talking to him, and, uh, and the, the gentleman said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take my life. I'm just done. I, I'm going to give up. I'm going to take my life. He stopped the car, turned the car around, went back to where the brothers, he had dropped off the brothers, stopped, opened the door, and said, hey, guys, you guys need to talk to this guy. <laughs> the guy gets off, talks to them. They study the Bible that night. They study the Bible uh, later that day. He gets baptized later that week, and he's your brother in Christ. And you think about, well, that's just an amazing story. But you know what? When you think about every story in this room, everyone is an amazing story. Why did you end up here? I don't know. I was born in Mexico. I was born in a little town in Mexico called Hikilpan. It's a metropolis. It's amazing. It's got, it's got, you know, it's got all kinds of stuff. Uh, it's got a bullfighting ring. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. And, uh, you know, I think about, how did I end up here? I could be selling chicles in Iquilpan and, and be fine. But I'm here. And then how did I end up, you know, growing up in the metropolis of Seven Streets, one stoplight in Mecca, California, in the east part of the Coachella Valley, back before Coachella was, you know, was, you know, Coachella. I grew up there, you know, and, and then how did I, from there, end up at UCLA? And how did I, at UCLA, end up walking down, you know, where someone shares their faith with me, and then my whole life turns around? And that's my story. And it's, you know, you think, oh, that's not remarkable. Well, it is for me. But your life should be for you, too. It's an amazing story. 
hey, you know what? This whole city, this whole uh, metropolitan area, this whole world is filled with stories like that. Where God is looking at our children. God is looking at our family, our parents. God is looking at our neighbors. God is looking at our co-workers. God is looking at that person you're annoyed with that's driving right next to you. Or driving right in front of you and doesn't know what think or look like they know where they're going. Or that person that's taking a long time in the checkout line. And decides to pull out a checkbook and write a check for their groceries. God is looking at his people. You might be annoyed, but God is saying, I want them to be saved. But we're thinking, I want them out of my way. <laughs> or you might be thinking, I don't want that guy to be saved because then he's going to be in my church and I'm going to have to fellowship with him. That's not how God thinks. You know, and somewhere we got to align that. we got to align our heart. Loving the Lord our God with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength. To where we say, you know, there's still hope. For me if I seek God's will and if I decide to discern God's will in my life so this morning it's a pretty basic message what are you going to choose and you choose today like you choose tomorrow you choose every day you say I already chose this well good we choose it we choose every day to decide hey today I'm going to live according to God's will Jesus showed us the way He had to do it on the way to the cross. He had to pray and say, you know, God, I don't want to do this. But let it be your will and not mine. I pray that all of us make that prayer in our lives and say, let it be God's will and not mine. Amen. Amen. May God bless you.